Hi, my name is Ramila, and this is Secret Life of Sibs. Millions of people across the world have special needs that affect their daily lives. We often hear about their parents' experiences, but we rarely hear about the people that grew alongside them, the siblings that are fundamentally changed by this experience. I'm one of those siblings, and I hope to share the stories of many more. Our guest today is Kayla Shim, a first-year law student at Boston University. Kayla, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, Ramila. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, so just to start off, uh, tell us about yourself. So, you know, where you're from, your sibling, um, what you're up to right now. Sure. Um, I was born and grew up in South Korea, but my family immigrated to Northern Virginia when I was like in sixth grade, so like 12 years old. And we stayed there until I went to college in uh, Baltimore to Johns Hopkins. And now I'm uh, at BU Law. I just started this past fall. And my brother and the rest of my family, they're still in Northern Virginia. Uh, my brother, Heejun, is two years younger than me. He has autism and he's at the mental level of, I would say, like three years old, um, which means he's verbal, but with like a pretty limited vocabulary and usually um, in words that aren't full sentences, maybe phrases. And um, he usually uses words that are like a mix of Korean and English just because, um, you know, my parents aren't fluent in English. So we speak Korean at home and then he'll pick up some English words when he's in school. I can imagine that that move from across the world must have been pretty challenging. How was that for you and your brother? Um, So I think my family was a really unique case in that once my brother was diagnosed, my parents kind of knew we were going to come to America. It was kind of always a goal like even when I was younger before I fully understood what that means I like kind of understood that at one day we're going to end up in America so I was like um I had like English tutors growing up and whatnot and my parents like made me watch like um cartoons in English and stuff to kind of prepare me so the cultural shock wasn't that huge and the language barrier wasn't that bad for me at least because I think my parents did a really good job of like kind of preparing me But it was definitely rough for my brother, I think, just because I feel like any sort of change can be hard. Um, And it's, you know, it's hard to explain. um, You speak Korean at home, but then you are going to learn these new words in English. And you might know these what these words are in Korean already, but your teachers aren't going to understand you. So that that was a little hard. It's actually really cool that your parents prepared you for that move before it happened. Uh, But I do want to ask you a bit about when you were younger, both in South Korea and in the U.S. How do you think growing up with Heejin influenced your childhood? Now, obviously, there are positives and negatives to all of this, so please feel free to speak to both. Sure. Um, So I think one of the more obvious things is just feeling like I was different, both because I was like from another country. Um, I'm speaking more about, you know, my childhood in America because I feel like 
that's kind of what I remember more. Um, but just like feeling different, um, being jealous of other my friends who had like really good sibling relationships. And also my parents were great about making sure I was able to like do everything I wanted in terms of like extracurriculars and stuff. Like I've never felt like, oh, I can't do this because of Heejun. But there was still that element of um, because my brother needs to be supervised at all times. Um, maybe only my mom can make it to my orchestra concert. Or maybe only my dad can come to my tennis matches, things like that. And I guess a big thing, well, and um, it felt really big when I was <laughs> 12, was that for a long time, my brother was a really picky eater. So we would only eat Korean food. So I spent um, a lot of like my middle school years not knowing what like, Wendy's or like the Cheesecake Factory or like the Olive Garden was so I didn't go to these places until I was at an age where like my friends could drive and we would like hang out at the mall by ourselves without parental supervision so that like I think is an example of how I felt that gap because of having Heejin as a brother and also being like a like being an immigrant yeah I feel that the guilt that you talk about is very, you know, it's something that's not talked about a lot, um, but it's something that I think a lot of siblings feel because there is that element of, you know, getting to getting to do things that you, we know that our sibling won't get to do. Is that how that felt for you? Yeah, well, I think it was a little different just because my brother, he's not necessarily at the level where he's like oh Kayla's playing tennis I want to play tennis too but I can't I know that's kind of a a big problem for some siblings but I that it wasn't a feeling of guilt in that way but more so that like for example my mom would drive me to my violin lessons but because Heejin couldn't be left alone and my dad was at work she would wait in the car with my brother while I did my hour-long lessons. So she would just sit in the car with my brother for an hour. Um, so that that kind of feeling of guilt that, you know, my parents are going above and beyond for me. And I think that also overlaps a little with just being like a child of like a first-generation immigrant family, feeling like, um, feeling that pressure of having to be really successful, you know. Uh, you mentioned you know, sitting in the car. I remember my, my twin brother has autism and he's, you know, his mental age is at, it's at around two years old. And I also remember my, my brother being carted around in the car for all of my various lessons for violin and piano and, you know, swim practices. Um, and we'd always feel so bad because, you know, sitting in the car for that long is never fun, right? So, and, you know, the thing about, you know, you mentioned also not being able to, you know, try different foods or maybe, you know, being in public spaces with your brother kind of feeling out of place, feeling different. I think that kind of ties into how, you know, our role as a sibling affects our other, the other relationships in our lives. Um, so can you speak to a little bit about how your relationships you know, romantic or friendships or whatever have been colored by your role as a sibling. Sure. And I'm going to double back a little. And um, this was something I wanted to mention, but um, 
kind of got lost. But going back to your question about how my childhood was, was influenced, I definitely had like a closer bond with my parents because um, my brother Hejun had kind of a limited list of activities where he would um, express really liking, and those tend to be like just like hiking or being outside in general. Um, so we as a family would spend a lot of time doing those things. And we, I just have a lot of childhood memories of like weekend trips, um, just because I'm sure you can relate when you have a sibling that like isn't great about expressing his feelings when he does express something, you kind of latch onto that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so a lot of weekend trips, I remember we had um, like seasonal passes to what the Korean equivalent of Disneyland is and we would go every single week just because he would be happy when we were there so yeah so um yeah I feel like I was close with my parents and just spent a lot of time with my family even uh, like compared to like uh, my friends growing up like in middle school and everyone else is like going to the mall with their friends every weekend and like going through that phase of being too cool to hang out with their family I don't think I ever went through that just because um I knew how important it was to spend time with my brother and because um it was kind of the few moments where he was like very visibly happy when we would do things out of as a family together but be, uh, that being said at the same time I think there's still kind of um that barrier between me and my parents just because even though we as a family um kind of face similar experiences and difficulties growing uh having Hijun. It's just like kind of different from a parent's perspective and as a sibling's perspective. And I don't know if we'll like that's like fully I mean of course we're empathetic to each other and we're like aware of it, but I don't know if it's like a full understanding. I don't know if I'm explaining that well. So there's definitely still that barrier, even though I feel really close to them. But talk talking about I guess friendships um, when I was younger, I definitely struggled with how or when I tell my friends. Usually it would be when I invited them over to my place for the first time. Um, now that I'm older, I like am better about kind of bringing it up organically. Like when the other person talks about the, their brother, of course, they always ask like, oh, about you, do you have siblings? And I'll, um, I kind of figured out that's easier to say now like, oh, yeah, I have a brother and he has autism. So then I don't have to go through them asking, oh, like, if he's, is he in college, if he's only two years younger than you? I kind of figured out that's easier to kind of bring it up first so we don't have to do that awkward back and forth. So it seems like now you're a little bit more comfortable being like talking about your brother and letting your friends know ahead of time compared to, you know, when you were younger. Do you think, you know, I know that a lot of people lean on friends or, you know, they share difficult things about their life with their um, friends or other people in their life. Do you feel like you had those resources available to you or at least people who would listen to you about, you know, certain, you know, parts of your life that come along with being a sibling? Well, growing up, not really but um I mean I'll get into this more but I think that was a little on me and feeling like I couldn't share partially because I felt like 
people could understand and also that feeling of guilt we talked about earlier feeling like I can't really complain like I just remember growing up and I did have like a community of other families who have family members with disabilities and they would say things like oh you're so lucky Heejun can say words to like ask for things or like oh you're so lucky Heejun doesn't have physical disabilities on top of his intellectual disability so I I think that feeling of guilt kind of stopped me from um, kind of um, talking about my feelings with that community that I'm talking about. But, and also I talked about earlier how I felt like I couldn't really talk to my parents about, um, for example, like that feeling, going back to that feeling of guilt, I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't say things like, oh, I don't, want you guys to come to this party where all the other families are coming because I don't want um Heejin to like throw out the tantrum and disrupt uh the mood or things like that but now that you know I'm older and I feel more comfortable in my own skin first of all but also just talking about uh, more personal things in general I've kind of found people that I befriended organically and they also, I would find out that they had family members or siblings with special needs. And I feel comfortable talking to them. But I don't think I, even though I had this community of, like, I grew up knowing other people with family members with special needs. But I, um, it kind of felt forced when I would try to, like, bond with them over that, you know? Have you ever felt invalidated uh, in terms of your experience as a sibling being told maybe that you're not allowed to feel the way you feel uh, or that you should be grateful for what you have or anything like that? I don't think I've ever been told by someone necessarily. I think it was just internalized feelings of um, that guilt we keep on talking about. And uh, because I grew up with other families who had family members with special needs and um, you know, I, for example, two of our closest family friends both have, uh, younger children with special needs and they both struggled a lot more than Heejun with the language barrier and just, um, they had a lot more like physical, um, uh, issues where they were in and out of the hospital. So I think it was that feeling of like, oh, it could be worse. So I feel like I can't complain about it, but it was never any like, external factors of like people telling me I was wrong to feel that way if that makes sense yeah that makes sense so along the same vein I know we again we keep talking about like the those feelings of guilt um but how did you feel when you know you ultimately transitioned um to going to college moving out and now you're um even further away in, in grad school what were those like the emotions surrounding that Sure. So like I said before, Heejin kind of requires constant supervision. So it's a lot of my parents and I taking turns babysitting, essentially. So I definitely felt bad that I, you know, I'm out of the rotation now. Um, But when I moved to college, um, so I'm from like the Virginia, the, the DC metro area. So Baltimore is only like an hour, two hour drive away. And it was definitely a factor that I considered that it was close by when I was 
making college decisions. Um, and now that I'm in Boston, it's kind of my first time really being away from home. And I definitely feel that guilt. I will say that I feel like being away from home, um, they say the that um, distance makes the heart grow fonder. And I definitely felt that way. Um, I talked a little before about how Hugin's not really expressive about his feelings. So of course I knew like, you know, he, he likes having me around, but it wasn't until I went away, like when I moved away to college that my mom would tell me things like, oh, like he's looking for you. He came back from school today and like went straight to your room and asked where you were. And um, I think that kind of hit me hard. It sounds silly, but like just like that validation that he missed me hit me hard. And um, like now that I'm away for a longer time now, it's not really possible for my family to just hop in a car and to come. It's like an eight hour drive from Virginia to Boston. It's a lot of video calls and um, random phone calls throughout the day where my mom will call me for my brother. Yeah. But definitely that guilt, I still feel that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's not silly at all. I mean, I remember being really jealous of my friends who um, they, you know, a lot of my closest friends have really good relationships with their siblings and they'll text frequently, like they'll text goodnight and, you know, just random things throughout the day. And I remember just really wishing that, you know, my brother could text me, Um our interactions were also, you know, a lot of FaceTime, uh, but he would, you know, my mom would say, my mom tells him like, Rohan, say hi, um, and he'll wave hi and then, you know, wander off and do his own thing. Yeah. And I, I think it's kind of, um, we probably feel it a little more just because especially you, you said your brother was a twin, your twin. And since my brother is like really close in age, it's like um, when I see my other friends with siblings with that close of an age gap, you know, they like would go to school together and they would like drive them around places and like they would like kind of come along when we were hanging out. So um, just a feeling of like, oh, like Heejin can't come along when my friends and I are getting ice cream because, um, yeah, I think it hits harder. It definitely does. And, you know, aside from the kind of emotional aspect of it, you um, know, you're in law school now. And, you know, I wanted to ask, is your, are your academic interests or career interests at all influenced by uh, growing up with someone with special needs? Yeah, sure. I feel like disability law is such a big area for people who want to do like public interest work. And even before I knew I wanted to come to law school, I think like disability rights that whole field is something that I'm always kind of considering but at the same time like is it too close to home do I really want to deal with it like in my personal life and in my um career um and now that I'm kind of figuring things out I I I'm really interested in like education equality and accessibility work and that has a lot of overlap with like um, disability rights and special education and whatnot. And I think it really comes from watching how my parents are willing to literally move to halfway across the world to f- have 
um, a better education system for Hijin and seeing how the special education system works here. Like, okay, let me backtrack a little. <laughs> so when, even though I was like pretty young, I still have like memories of when we were in Korea, uh, Hijin and I went to the same school and it was just a school without any special ed programs. And times have obviously changed since then, but at the time, they just didn't have any resources for him. So he would have to just sit in the back of a classroom when other kids were like learning the alphabet or whatever. And um, he obviously wasn't able to keep up or even just like sit down for that long enough of a time. And what really triggered my family to be like, okay, we're moving this year was when his classmates started doing like, you know, like real math that he obviously couldn't like follow. And at that point he, um, I think, um, I mean, I was shielded from a lot of it, but I think at that point, some parents of the classmates were complaining, like he's been walking around, it's disruptive when my kid is learning fractions and whatnot. So seeing how my parents literally uprooted their entire lives for like better access to education for my brother was kind of huge. And then even once we got to America, they, we were kind of like, I guess, shopping around for school districts. We moved to Virginia because they have a really good school system. And then, um, like, I just remember how shocking it was when they handed him an iPad, like, oh, we're just gonna let you borrow this for free. It was just like a such a 180. So um, yeah, so I'm not sure how much I want to focus on disability rights specifically in um, when I'm doing my like education accessibility work but it was definitely one of the triggering like starting points for me yeah that's really really interesting the difference between you know the korean education system and and how special ed is approached here at least in you know one of the better school districts in the country yeah yeah i will say um you know obviously this is like 10 years ago and i know things have improved so so much more in korea it was just at the time that's how it was, even though we were kind of in the quote unquote, nicer area that should have had like more resources. And, um, you know, I once, you know, I talked about how it felt so great here. It felt like there were all these like crazy resources, like beyond the iPad, there were just like tons of like free extracurricular programs you could do. And, um, I think once I went to college in Baltimore, I got involved in Best Buddies in Baltimore. And I mentioned that I in Virginia, we went to like a really good school district versus Baltimore. You know, their school district has a lot of inequality issues and in that some schools are really, really well supported and others are not so. And the schools we were working with through Best Buddies, it was like even worse than what my brother had in Korea. Like, they didn't have iPads. They like barely had enough teachers to um, keep the schools open for the students. And um, yeah, I am backtracking a little, but seeing that contrast of Korea and then what my brother had in Virginia, and then like another feeling that another shock, a layer of shock once coming to Baltimore, I think really got me interested in like education issues. Yeah. Would you uh, mind just uh, for our listeners who might not know what Best Buddies is, just telling us a bit about that? 
Yeah, sure. So it's a nationwide program, and I feel like a lot of um, schools at every level have has a chapter now, like middle school, high school, college. So um, it's a program that pairs. I mean, there's a lot of components to it, but the ones that are the chapter that are on campus usually focuses on pairing a student with disabilities with um, a student who doesn't, and it's just like fostering a friendship. And um, the program at Hopkins, we really focused on doing like fun activities together, whether that's like making pizza or playing basketball and it was just hanging out. I'm, I'm sure you can relate. I feel like the social circle of our siblings with disabilities is just so small. Um, it's usually pretty limited to who's in their like special ed classes or family friends we have, you know? So I think best buddies and other programs like that are, is like just super important to give people a safe space to just be able to hang out and just, you know, introduce them to more friends. Yeah. I hadn't even, I didn't even know about best buddies uh, until it was late in, it was during the pandemic actually that I heard about the program. Um, And it seems like a super worth worthwhile organization to become part of. And, you know, I know we were just talking about the contrast between, um, just backtracking a little bit, we were talking about the contrast between like Korea and America and how your, you know, your family literally, you know, immigrated to America because of the education system. Um, that also means that you know, you and your family have that sort of additional identity of being an immigrant um, in this country. And I think intersectionality definitely plays a huge role in how someone with a disability and their family members navigate the world in the U.S. at least. So how do you think that your your life and sibling role has been influenced by, you know, being the daughter of first-generation immigrants? I guess um, I think I talked about this before, but just feeling that pressure to succeed is definitely a combination of that, I guess, Aiden stereotype slash first generation immigrant stereotype of like, oh, I have to make my parents proud. And but then on top of that, feeling like I need to. I I dislike using the word compensate for, but um it kind of stuck with me because it's like something that someone who didn't know any better said to me once. It was like one of those nosy auntie situations who are like, oh, congrats on getting into a good school. It's like great that you're like compensating for your brother. So I think that word kind of stuck with me. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just like feeling that pressure and um, I guess that kind of relates to, oh, like what happens when my parents are no longer able to care for my brother? Cause right now my brother's just living with them in Virginia. Um, so like the pressure to be financially successful, to be able to comfortably support not only myself, but also Hijin probably in the future. And um, I think growing up is definitely made me feel like I grew up a little faster. Like I said before, my parents aren't fluent in English. So I grew up like sitting in on a lot of Hijin's like medical and like school meetings and writing emails to his teachers for my parents, especially my mom. So 
And um, I just feel like it's like things they would have shielded me from if it was an option, um, if they didn't need me to translate necessarily. Yeah. I, yeah, that I, that language component is definitely important because I, I, I remember growing up, my, my parents are pretty proficient in English, uh, but there was always the, could you please look over this email, make sure all the grammar is right, make sure I'm using the right words. And, you know, there was always that kind of, um, you know, that little bit of a loss of confidence that I know my parents had because, you know, they were, were always had in mind that they were immigrants and they weren't, yeah, you know, they're not native speakers of English. So some things might be lost in translation with accents and things like that. And as their children, you're, you're kind of playing that role of, you know, that mediator between two languages and two cultures. So just to wrap up, I, you've shared some really, um, you know, really interesting perspectives. And I wanted to ask, these are two questions that I ask everyone that is, uh, you know, on an episode. So first of all, what's one thing you wish people knew about life as a sibling to a special needs person? I would say just how, how lonely it is. Um, it's definitely something I talked about today, but I feel like even if you have friends who are also siblings, or even if you have your parents, they don't understand exactly what you're going through. And even when I do talk to people, I feel like I can't share the worst parts about it because of that feeling of guilt. Yeah. (laughs) And then the other thing that I just want to leave off with is uh, what's one piece of advice you give someone else uh, growing up in a situation like yours? Sure. So this might sound a little counterintuitive or counterproductive because you feel like you're like already kind of overwhelmed by having um, a sp- sibling with special needs. But I personally found that volunteering with um other people with special needs or just like spending time with them really helped me understand and appreciate my brother more. Um, I think part of it is because I kind of took Keijin for granted. And once I was like having to spend time with someone like a stranger that I knew I had to like be nicer to, I guess, for lack of a better word, Um, (laughs) you know, you're like, when you meet someone for the first time, you're obviously putting on a better first impression for them than you are with your being a little brat to your parents. Yeah, of in that course. way. Um, I think that kind of <laughs> that kind of kind of made me more um, like reflect on how I'm interacting with my brother, I guess. And obviously, we talked about how how small the social bubble is for people with mental and intellectual disabilities, and I think part of it was because Heejun isn't necessarily verbal or like expressive about his feelings. Um, when I was in Best Buddies, the uh, people I was seeing every week were very expressive and very excited. And I mean, this is kind of an obvious thing, but just that like feeling like, oh, Heejun is probably like, Heejun is this excited too. He just can't like verbalize it. I think that really helped me understand that even even though it's something I already knew like obviously he didn't like spending time with me but just like seeing like similarities and differences with other um people who might be going to going through the same thing as he really helped 
And I think another, I'm cheating and giving a second piece of advice (laughs) is to um, be a little selfish because it's okay to stand up for yourself. It's okay to take time for yourself, to have fun, even if you feel guilty that you're leaving your sibling behind or your parents behind. And um, I guess I wish I, I still should be taking this piece of advice, but it's okay to remind your parents of your needs too. Yeah, that's definitely harder than it sounds, but really important to remember. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, Kayla, thank you so much for talking to us today. Um, You know, the reason this podcast exists is to share our narratives and, you know, share that this is all valid and there are other siblings out there, right? Because growing up, it can kind of feel lonely, like you said. So yeah, thank you so much for being part of this. And thank you for getting this started. Thank you for taking the time to peek into the secret life of Sibs with me and our guest, Kayla. If you're a sibling, we hope you know that you're not alone. And if you're not a sibling, we hope you got to learn about a new perspective. Go ahead and follow to turn on notifications for upcoming episodes and look to the description box for a list of resources specifically for siblings. Welcome to the secret life and see you next time.